Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Talking about every individual person because our society changes as each individual changes. If we're always looking at everybody else to change, it's them. It's the people on the left. It's the people on the right. It's the people there. It's the people there. If it's always everybody else, that means that nobody will change. True transformation starts with the individual. As the individual decides, I've got to focus. I've got to change. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Focus is the ability to aim one's sight and thought into a singular direction, causing all others to fade away. Now, focus also means to direct your attention to one place. Focus. You ever talk to somebody and you tell them, focus, 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 focus. You see them, they were looking over here, they're looking over there, they're looking all around. You, you, you're not paying attention to what I'm saying, and you have to tell them to focus, right? Now, focus also means discipline. You have to discipline yourself to focus. Now, focus means that there are other things to see and other things to think about. You just choose not to see them and choose not to think about them. Focus. Now, our generation is desperately in need of focus. Are you hearing? Uh, we are scattered in many different directions. Everyone is going their own way, and the way of the masses normally does not include God. Everybody seems to be doing what is right in their own sight, and uh, they have lost the concept of moral absolutes. That is, they have neglected the truth concerning the Bible. What God says is truth. Now it seems that everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. So the society, our society is scattered. It's not focused. It's scattered all over the place, which has caused our world to break. And it is tearing apart at the fabric, at the very fabric of the seams. Uh, to find proof of that, just watch the news. You find people hating people for no apparent reason. Shooting people for what looks to be no apparent reason. One man goes up to the door, just wants directions. Another man comes out and just shoots them. Seems to be for no apparent reason. People are afraid. There are I mean, just so much fear and hostility in the land. We need to be focused. Focus. Our generation needs focus. True focus leads to transformation. And when we talk about generation, I'm not just talking about everybody else everywhere else. I'm talking about every individual person. Because our society changes as each individual changes. If we're always looking at everybody else to change, it's them. It's the people on the left. It's the people on the right. It's the people there. It's the people there. If it's always everybody else, that means that nobody will change. True transformation starts with the individual. As the individual decides, 
I've got to focus. I've got to change. Now, I want you to consider this, and this is how we're going to really look at this today. God uses the power of focus to change the world. God uses the power of focus to change the world, but so does the devil. Never has there been so much confusion in the world today, partly because of so many images, so many movies, so many uh, social media posts, so many of this and so many of that. The devil is using all of these things to confuse people. Maybe I'm this and, and maybe I'm that. Maybe I'm this and, and maybe I'm that because they've seen so much else out there. The enemy is taking their focus, focus through, through music or uh, through uh, movies or through uh, social media influencers. They're taking, the enemy is taking the, the focus of our youth, aiming them at, in his direction, and they are becoming like what they see. Focus. At the same token, we can see that as it relates to God the Father. But can we also, or rather we can see that as it relates to the devil, how he's changing people by focus. And this is why, again, pornography is so bad. It's so horrendous. It's so terrible. Because what you focus on, what you look at continually, is what you will eventually become. So we can see that in the negative. But can you also see that in the positive? Because God also uses the power of focus to change a life. So the question is, what will you choose to focus on? You have the choice of what you choose to focus on. Now, let me show you how God uses this in the Bible. If we look here in the book of Numbers, Numbers 21, verse 9, Numbers 21, verse 9, I love this example. This is when the children of Israel sinned in the wilderness and snakes came in and began to bite the people and they began to die. They were dying. And the word of the Lord came to Moses and said, I want you to make a serpent, a bronze serpent. I want you to hang it on a pole. This is how I'm going to cure them. This is how people will be saved. Let's look at this in verse number nine. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at it, the bronze serpent, rather, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. When he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. What happened? When they focused on what God put before them, they lived. They were healed. When they focused, the word look there, or in the King James gazed at, doesn't mean to look and just look away. It means to study at it. That means to stare at it intensely. As they did that, they began to change. First they were dying, then they began to be healed. The healing came through what they were focused on. The healing came through what they were focused on. What you focus on can bring you either life or it can bring you death. Where is your focus? Then the Lord tells them uh, that he is actually the fulfillment of that. Let's look at in John the third chapter. John, the third chapter, verse number 14 and 15. And it says this. And as Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. You hear that? 
So as Moses lifted up the serpent, why did he do that? So people could look and live. Jesus said, same thing's going to happen to me. As I am lifted up upon that cross, as people look to me, as they focus on me, they're going to live. He says again, verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So he says, look to me, look to me. Let me show you another very good indication of this in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Listen to this, and we're really going to really talk about, the, talk about this for the majority of the time here today. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 18 says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding or looking as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. In other words, you see the glory of the Lord. You're staring at, you're gazing upon the glory of the Lord. What happens? Are being what? Transformed. Transformed into what? Into the same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says we're being transformed. Now, when you think about transformed, King James says being changed. So this is the same word, Greek word, metamorpho, which means metamorphosis. The same thing as a, a, a transformation of a butterfly, right? From a caterpillar to a butterfly. That does not happen like that. It happens over time. So as we look to the Lord, we are being changed. We are being transformed. As we look to him now, some say, well, that'll be great, but I can't see Jesus today. I can't see him on the cross today. But remember, Jesus is the word of God made flesh. As you look into his word, as you study his word, as you declare his word, as you set your mind and focus on him and the things of God, especially this new covenant as of grace, you are beholding the glory of the Lord and slowly but surely, just like that uh, caterpillar is being changed into a butterfly, you are being changed as you focus on him. Now we're going to go deeper. Really to understand the full concept of this. Because understand, Jesus is changing you. In order to change the society, the generation, he must change the individual. You must decide to focus on him. Whatever you focus on gets stronger in your life. If you focus on the negative all the time, you're going to find fear really becoming strong in your life. If you focus on faith, then you're going to find strength coming in your life. Whatever you focus on, if you focus on the things of the devil, you become more like him. But if you focus in on Christ, you find yourself becoming more glorious as Christ, just like Christ, becoming that same image. Are you hearing that's what the word of God says, right? He says that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Are you hearing? We're being transformed. Somebody say to me or say, I'm being transformed. That's right. So let's go to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Now, as we continue in this, we're going to take this slowly. We're going to take it line upon line because you need to receive this word. 
Now, we could jump across the stage and go, hmm, and really tune it up and get the organ going. Dun, 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 dun. But I want you to have some substance. In order to have substance, teaching occurs slowly, line upon line, word upon word, because you're going to have to live this. You understand that we're living in the last days, right? You understand that Jesus is soon to come. And because of that, the enemy has amped up his uh, amped up his warfare against the body of Christ. He's amped up his warfare in this world. Again, just watch the news. And you must be prepared against the onslaught of the enemy. What we've, what we've been talking about, about the communion, about being covered in the blood of Jesus and about having uh, receiving his blood, being under his protection as Jesus as the Passover lamb, receiving of his body and his blood, receiving of his favor and his grace upon your life. You're going to need not only to know that, but walk in the wisdom of that and have that activated in your life. You understand it's important to have seed. Seed is great. But seed that is not planted will not feed you. You have to plant the seed and you have to wait for that fruit to grow up and then you can eat. Now, sometimes people can eat their seed. But if I see people all the time eating little sunflower seeds and they spit out. Anybody ever do that before? Okay, keep. Okay, all right. So you eat your seed, you eat for a day. But that's all. But if you plant your seed, you'll eat for many more days after that. Because in the fruit, there are more seeds that you can plant for next time. You eat the fruit and then plant the seed. Eat the fruit, but then plant the seed. Are you hearing? So let's get this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse number 1. And it, it reads like this. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Uh, are, are we like others who need to bring you letters of uh, recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. Now, I want you to listen to verse two as we go on. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter. Understand that your lives are a letter. King James says that your life is an epistle. Your life is a letter. Your life is a letter. It says your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the results of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit, that's the capital S, the Holy Spirit, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tables of stone, but on human hearts. I want you to see that. He's talking about now the, a comparison between the law and grace, between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant was written on tables of stone, as you see right here, written on tables of stone. I'm sure you can see that in your monitors today, those of you that are watching that are here at the church. Those that are, the Old Testament was written on tables of stone. So he says here in verse number three again, he said, it was carved not on tables of stone, but on human hearts, grace. 
His law was written on our hearts, not on tables of stone. Now, that's going to make a lot of difference to you as we go on. Let's look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 verse 16 says, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws where? In, into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Remember under the law there was a remembrance of your sin. The law was performance based. You were blessed on how well you kept the law. When you kept the law, you were blessed. When you disobeyed God's law, you were punished. Under the law, tables written in stone, rather the, uh, the law written in stone. It was based on your performance, how you did. But under grace, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. And we enter into rest based on what Jesus did and not what we do. Hallelujah. Now, the Old Testament, again, was written on stone. Of course, that speaks of the Old Testament. Uh, the New Testament, of course, written on our hearts, written by the Spirit on our hearts. Now, look at verse number four. We are confident of all this because of our, uh, because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think that we are equipped to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Now look at verse 6. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. Now, not just speaking of, of the apostleship, but every single born-again believer, he's enabled you to be a minister of the new covenant. Now, think about the word minister. The word minister means to serve means to serve. You go into a restaurant, you see the waiters and the waitresses. They are servants. They are, they are ministering to you. They are serving you. The Bible says that God gave them the ability to serve this new covenant, to serve it. Now, you're going to need people. People will really appreciate you when you serve them the new covenant of grace, when you give them grace and not law. When, you, when, when someone's in sin or in error and you continually tell them how bad they've been, they're no good, and they got to get it right, and this and that and the other, you put all that work back on them, uh, requirements that they could never keep in the first place. When you put all that back on them, you're actually serving them the law. But when you say to them, remind them who they are in Christ, remind them that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, remind them of what Jesus did for them upon the cross, how he took their sins upon himself, how he paid the price, and actually what Jesus did for us, he took the wrath of God upon himself. The punishment that we should have endured, he endured for us. As we focus on his work, and as we proclaim his work, we, we live by it, we teach it we we read it we begin to receive of of the new covenant and not of the old the old covenant you will live under condemnation shame and guilt because you realize that you cannot meet the standard you cannot be good enough no matter how hard you try you will never be good enough on your own i know that i have to break somebody's bubble with that or bust somebody's bubble no matter how good you try, you will never be good enough. It can't happen. 
because we cannot in ourselves meet God's glorious standard. But Jesus came and he met God's glorious standard. Now all those who believe in him enter into his finished work and we receive righteousness based on what Jesus did, not on what we do in our attempts to keep the law of God. Are you hearing? Now look again at verse number five, rather verse six. He says, he has enabled us, God enabled you or qualified you to minister his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written, co- the old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Understand something. Once again, the old covenant always ends in death and it has to. It has to. A death will occur every time you try your best to keep the law. You will always discover that you're not good enough. It will always bring you to your end. That's what it was designed to do. The law was always designed to bring you to your end so that you would see your need for Jesus. Now, I want to show you this as well. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. I want to show you this out of the King James Version. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 6. It says this. This is the same verse we read, uh, but this time out of the King James. It says, who also made us sufficient as ministers uh, of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter, talking about the Old Testament, the letter, the Ten Commandments, for the letter does what? Kills, but the spirit what? Gives life. So under the Ten Commandments, under the law, you will die. That's where it ends up in your death. But it has to, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It ends up with you dying. But as we minister or live under the new covenant, under grace, it ends up in us living. It ends in living. Now, death must always proceed new life. Always. If you're going to be born again, you're going to have to die. Anybody get it? Death always precedes new life. There must be a death before new life can begin. Jesus said, except a grain of wheat uh, falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it die, if it dies there, it will bring forth new life. It will bring forth much fruit. There must be death before new life can begin. So let's look at this in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. That's a new life. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What do we say when people, if someone just died, what do we say? They, they passed away. They passed away. Why did they pass away? They passed away so that something new could begin. Anytime you observe the law or you're served the law, anytime you are served the, um, the Ten Commandments or the things concerning things that you have to do, how you have to meet God's righteous standard, there is going to be a death because the law will always show you your sin. 
And when we see our sin, the Bible, the Bible declares that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The law always ends up in you dying, but it's a good death if it leads you to grace, if it leads you to life in Christ. But here's the problem. If we would go to a place or go to a church or go somewhere where there's always law, you better stop sinning. You better stop this and you better stop that. You're not good enough. You got to live holy. You better be holy. You got to be this and you got to be that. And every week, every week you end up dying. But if you never hear what Jesus did for you, then that's just a death. That's just you live under a cloud of shame and condemnation because no matter how hard you try, you can't be good enough. No matter how hard you labor, it can never be enough. Sure, you can stop a few things once in a while, but you pick them back up again because you can never meet God's righteous standard in your own flesh. It's impossible. Remember, the Bible declares that David even prophesied, you were born in sin shaped in iniquity. Sin is in your flesh. You were born with it. You were born with the tendency toward evil, with the bent toward evil. You were born with it. And so even though you are now born of God, your spirit man is now new in Christ. All things are passed away. They've died. Behold, all things are new. You have a new spirit recreated in Christ Jesus. But you are a new person still living in the old sinful body. With those old same desires. Let's say you came to church one Sunday and you gave your life to the Lord and you said amen. The moment you said amen, you realize that you still remembered how to cuss. It didn't go away. You still remembered all, all these old feelings were still there because your body has not changed. But your spirit changed. And now as we focus in on Christ, we live not from the flesh, but we live from the spirit. And your spirit man receives words from the Lord and your spirit gets your soul together, your mind together. We're letting your mind be renewed in the spirit of God, renewed. Your, your mind is now focused on the things of God and your mind begins to tell your body what you're going to do. Your body begins to have feelings, but you tell your body, no, no, no. This is what we going to do. We are not going to slap her today. You see what I'm saying? You begin to begin to, as Paul said, keep under his body. Paul said, I buffet my body. I keep it under subjection. It's not going to rule me. But by the spirit, you will rule your own body. You're going to rule your own mind. You ever begin to think something? And you say, I don't want to think this. I don't want to think about this. I don't think about this. Now, you are an individual person and your brain is thinking it. But then in your brain, you're saying part of you is saying, oh, I want to think about this. Oh, my goodness. Look, I want to think about this. Oh, I want to think about this. But then there's another side of you to say, I don't want to think about that. Anybody ever had those internal conflicts going on? testifying again that you have several parts because a part of you that wants to think about it that sinful side of you your body would then begin to react 
Oh, I don't want to think about slapping her. And your hand is just moving. I don't want to think about slapping her. I want to love her like Jesus said, love her. Hand, you better get under control in Jesus' name. Your body begins to react. But we have to live from the spirit down. That is, the spirit controls. We, we yield to the spirit's control and operation. And that spirit control and operation affects our soul. That is, affects our mind. We begin to think the things of God. No, this is what I'm going to think on Jesus. I'm going to focus on him and his finished work and what he called me to do. I'm going to focus on him. As a result, it also influences your body. Don't you know what you think influences your body? You can think yourself silly with worry, and your body will then begin to react to it. Stomach pains, can't sleep, shoulder pains. That's your body reacting to your thought life. Your body reacts to you. You begin to see somebody, you hate them so bad, you want to vomit. You know it. It's your body reacting to you. Your body reacting to your thought life. Your body follows your thought life. And if your thought life follows the spirit, you will find God's spiritual influence coming not only in your mind, but also in your body. You become like what you focus on. Does that make sense? So death must occur. We can't put the law and say, law, we don't need you anymore. Because you understand, we're going to need to repent. And the law was given to bring us a death to self so that we can have new life in Christ. But the law was given, again, to bring us to Jesus. So it must always end in Jesus, end in new life. Are you hearing me? So the law leads to death, but it's good when it leads to Christ. Are you hearing now, again, think about this as a transformational journey, a transformation. We're going to look to Christ and live. We're going to look to Jesus and live. That's not going to take place just like that. But it will happen over time as we continue to look into his word, continue to meditate on him, meditate on his teachings. What did Jesus say? What did he say? What does the Bible say about this new covenant in which we live? What does it say? As we continue to look, we will live. Now, let's continue to talk about the differences between law and grace and what it means and what it means for you today. Let's go back now to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Now, let's look at verse number 7 as this continues to talk about the differences between the law and grace. Now, verse 7 says this, but if the what ministry of death, now the Bible calls the Ten Commandments the ministry of death, Right? He said, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses. We're going to get back to that. It says, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious. Now, remember what we talked about with the word ministry. Ministry means what? To serve. So you can either serve death to people or you can serve them the spirit. Right? He said, if the ministry of death was so glorious that the children of Israel couldn't look at Moses' face because of the glory, 
I want you to know the ministry of the Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit through you, is even more glorious. Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation, do you see that? If the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Verse 10, for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. In other words, you can't compare the two. You can't compare the, uh, the gospel that Jesus brought. Remember, the Bible says that uh, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You can't compare the glory of, two, of the two because the ministry of Christ, the grace that God has given, this new covenant, is far exceeds, far exceeds the glory or the power of the Old Testament. Verse 11 says, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is what? Much more glorious. Now, I want to show you something here. Let's talk about Moses here for our time ending. We're about to close out in just a few moments. I want us anybody to get anything out of this. Let me take a temperature check. Anybody get anything out of this today? Amen. All right. So let's talk about why the children of Israel could not look at Moses' face. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's go to the book of Exodus, Exodus 34. Now, the Bible says that uh, the, the law was so glorious, there was so much glory on it, that the children of Israel could not look at Moses' face because it shined so much. Let's look at this. Let's look at Exodus 34, verse 29. It says, now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. Notice Moses was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, right? When Moses came down out of Mount Sinai, or he came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain. He got him in, under his arm, right? Uh, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone or was shining while he talked with him, while, while, while he talked with God. Verse 30, so when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone or was shining, and they were, what, afraid to come near him. <gasps> you see somebody coming down the mountain with these two stone tablets of the law, the glory of the law, and Moses' face was shining brightly. They saw him, and they were afraid. My question was, Lord, they know Moses. Why are they afraid of him? You could say, well, they're afraid of him because that's very unusual. See somebody's face light up like a light bulb. It's, for, it's calls for concern. Moses, is, there's something radioactive up there in the mountain. Do we need to be concerned about radiation poisoning? No, that's not what they were afraid of. Understand something. Moses was carrying the law. The glory of the law was on his face. The law was given to bring people to an end, to show them their sin. So they saw the law in its purest form. When they looked at Moses, they saw judgment. They saw condemnation. Their sins had been revealed. It's like you stand before the Lord and God's looking you right eyeball to eyeball and say, I know what you did. None of your sins are hidden. So when the people saw Moses, 
having the law and the glory of the law was on his face, clearly showing them. It's like light showing up every flaw you have. Heard somebody say, turn the lights down so they can't see what I'm doing. Turn the lights down. My hair's not together just yet. Turn the lights down so they can't see it. But when the light is turned up full blast, and now we see every single, now we see the ketchup stain in your blouse. Now we can see it. Now we can see that's ketchup there. That's coffee over there. Now we can see every single blemish. So when Moses came down from the mountain, the glory of the law all on his face, people looked at, oh, no, no, no. Don't look over here, Moses. Please don't look over here. Don't remind me of what I have done. The Bible says that they were afraid to come near him. Now, that's the glory of the old covenant. Look at verse 31. Then Moses called to them and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. Verse 33 tells you how he did it. He had to do something so he could connect with them. Verse 33 says, and when Moses was finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. He put a covering over his face. Look at verse 34. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the, the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone or was shining, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, to went in to speak with the Lord. Moses kept a veil over his face. This is how Moses could speak to the people. Now, Moses was uh, a type of Christ in the Old Testament, type of Savior, right? He brought them out of Egypt. Moses was God's representative. Moses was speaking to them the word of God. Now, when the people looked at Moses, they, Moses had to put the veil over his face or the people wouldn't receive what he was saying. Now, remember the whole thing there. The Lord says, if you look you will live. Whatever you focus on, you'll be changed into. But how are you going to change when you cannot see it? How are you going to change into the glory when you can't see the glory? Because all you see is your own sin reflecting back at you. Every time they looked at the face of Moses, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. Oh, they saw. Remember the ministry of the law is condemnation it's the ministry of death ministry of judgment it's like every time you come to church you see your preacher oh i hope he didn't know what i did last night every time you I hear people say i don't want to come to church because i've been doing something they're gonna know what i've been doing what is that that's the ministry of the law it brings condemnation it brings shame and it brings guilt you see this now, I said that because you're going to have to see what the Lord did in the new, what he did in the new. Now, let's go to Matthew 17. We're going to stop it here. Matthew 17. Now, that was the glory of the old. But remember, it had a purpose to bring you 
to the end. The law was given to show you your sin, to manifest your sin so that you could see your sinful condition, so that you could repent before God and come into the saving knowledge of Christ. That was why it was given. It had to bring you to your end so that you could have a new beginning in Christ. You weren't meant to stay under law. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our congregations that live, that hear every Sunday morning a condemnation word. It's all sin-centered. It's law and sin-centered. They can't leave out the place without hearing how bad they've been and how bad they've done and how they have to correct their lives, how they have to change their lives in order for God to bless them, in order for God to love them. They got to change in order for God to bless them and love them. But Jesus said, I've done the work. Believe in what I did. Focus in on me and I will change you from the inside out. Haven't we understood that we cannot save ourselves yet? You cannot save yourself. A drowning man cannot save himself. It's impossible. And it's one of the biggest lies that the devil's ever perpetrated to think that you can save yourself by doing a whole lot of good stuff. Oh, you may be able to do a few good things every once in a while, but that'll be followed by a whole lot of bad stuff. You can do a hundred good things and do one bad thing and be haunted by that one bad thing. And don't get around people. You can spend 20 years doing good and do one bad thing and they'll never let you forget it. It's not about you and what you can do. It's about Jesus and what he did for you. All right. Moses received the commandments on the mountain, right? Mount Sinai. Let's go to Matthew uh, 17 as we begin to close here. Matthew 17. Let's look at verse number one. It says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain. Mountain apart. Verse number two, it says, and he was transfigured before them. And his face, somebody seen some similarities here? And his face did shine as the sun. Now Moses had a good light bulb going. But Jesus' face shined as the sun, and his raiment, or his clothes, was white as light, or white as lightning. No comparison between the two. No comparison. The glory of the grace of God far outweighed the glory of the law. Look at verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto him, rather there appeared unto them, Moses and Elisha talking with him. Moses representing the law. Elisha representing the prophets. They're showing up with Jesus as Jesus is standing in all his glory. His glory is turned up, face shining like the sun, clothes like lightning, white as lightning. I mean, he is shining. Moses comes up. Elisha comes up. Verse 4, then Peter uh, rather, then answered Peter and said unto, unto uh, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make there three tabernacles, one for you, well, that is one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, 
Elias or Elijah, verse number five. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This, this is, is my, my beloved, beloved Son, son, son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. God said, don't hear the voice of the law. The prophets prophesied about Jesus. Hear Jesus. And what happens? And when, verse 6, and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. Boy, oh my, I bet you you were. Verse 7, and Jesus came and touched him and said, arise and be not afraid. Remember, under the Old Testament, under the, under the law, the people couldn't look at Moses because they were afraid of their sin. Their first reaction was to turn away. But under grace, the first response that Peter had was to worship. Hey, Lord, let's do this for you here. Let's do this for Elijah. Let's do this for Moses. But, okay, Peter, but your worship is, okay, it's good that you're worshiping now. But God said, hey, you got it. You're going in the wrong direction. Let's change your focus now. Your focus is on Jesus. Not the law, not the prophets. It's on Christ. Jesus touched him because grace always removes the fear. Grace always removes the fear. In verse 8, it says, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. They only saw Christ. And this is the state in which we are to live. We're going to hold it here. This is how we are to live right there, seeing and focusing on Jesus. That's the picture. That's the picture. Not focusing on the law, that is focusing on how well you do something, whether you sinned or whether you didn't sin, whether you did right or you didn't do right. No, you're focusing on the righteousness that Jesus provided because he did the work and we enter into his finished work. The father says, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it is accounted to you as righteousness. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith by faith through grace and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god least any man should boast salvation is grace is a gift that god gives to you under the law you labor trying to be right but you can never be right enough you can never be righteous no matter how hard you try you always end up doing something wrong but under grace the father says let me give you this gift of right standing with me let me give you grace receive this gift and live not under bondage, but live under freedom. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. The spirit is not over there under the law. The spirit is here under grace and in freedom. So I pray today that you would change your focus and focus in on him and be changed. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us around you, to gather around your word. Lord, I pray that the focus of your people will change. 
And as they focus in on you, I thank you, Lord, that you would transform them, just like you've given us the example of the butterfly. You would transform them day by day. Every time they read your word, every time they focus on grace and what you have accomplished for them, you are changing them moment by moment, minute by minute, from the inside out. We can trust your will. We can trust your plan. We thank you, Lord, for this transformation, for we're being changed into the same image. We're being changed to look like Jesus. And we receive, Lord, what you've done for us. We give you praise today. I ask you to bless your people and give them a special grace to focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See you next time, my friends. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.